Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Junkies and we are reviewing a, uh, well, an Iranian film for a change. Um, this is an Iranian movie that was uh, featured at uh, the 2021 Cannes Film Festival in the director's fortnight. Um, it's the first film by Panar Panahi. Uh, who I believe is also the son of an exiled film director. So this is this is the son of an exiled filmmaker's um, first film. Um, it's called Hit the Road. Um, it's being dubbed as a grab, and it's kind of a handy grab, having seen it, as the Iranian answer to Little Miss Sunshine, insofar as it happens in a vehicle. It's about a family in a vehicle, and it's a sort of road movie of sorts, though. Um, and it's kind of comedy. It's like, There's a lightness of touch to it, even though it deals with some pretty serious subject matters, which, if you think about it, so too did Little Miss Sunshine, if you think of the Paul Dano character, the grandfather, aspiration in the family, and all that kind of stuff. It's a cracking film, Little Miss Sunshine, if you haven't seen it. So I think... As a grab, if you're thinking, why would I want to watch an Iranian uh, film? Uh, think Little Miss Sunshine and it might pull you in. It's a film, as I say, it's about a family. It's about a mother, a father, uh, a much older son. When I say older, he's probably mid to late 20s, possibly even early 30s. Uh, and a really young son who uh, looks about eight, nine, but could be anywhere between eight to 12, could be playing younger. Um, they're travelling. with The first shot in the film, in fact, is one rotating 360-degree shot, obviously taken, uh, essentially, I believe, in the driver's seat, because there's the mum, there's the dad, there's the toddler or the young boy, and then outside the car, looking incredibly serious and incredibly stern, is the older boy, because it, it transpires, though they don't let the younger boy know this early on in the film, it transpires that they are essentially on a mission to get their oldest son out of Iran and across the border to Turkey. So it's a film about migration, it's a film about traveling and it's a film about escape it's a film about a pursuit pursuit it's a film about pursuing dreams in another country and i mean you know there could be no uh, better time or more salient time in history than now for this for this subject with ukraine and, and everything that's going on um in, in in the channel crossings and rwanda and what have you we aren't particularly sure, though, at the beginning of the film, why they're, you know, they're all just sat in a car, they're all just waiting. The dad, who's just this fabulous character played by Hassan Majuni, the dad, wonderfully droll face, just a sort of hang-dog expression. Poker face, gives nothing away. Uh, reminds me of some of uh, Nadia's relatives in Jordan. Uh, but he's got his leg in a plaster cast, and it's a beautifully poetic start where some music is playing, and the toddler boy, the young boy, is essentially tapping the notes out on a drawn keyboard on his father's plaster cast. Um, and, and it's kind of inferred, is the has the dad actually injured his leg, or hasn't he? Or is he just a bit lazy, and is he just using it as a bit of a ruse, just to sit in the back of the car and take up more space. So there's the dad, there's the mum, an incredibly beautiful, incredibly sort of dignified and respectful and 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 sort of movie stardom, so very pretty, very pretty, pretty looking woman. Um, and then of course there's the son who's an incredibly brooding dark presence, which is not surprising once you discover later in the film that he's actually uh, being taken out of the country essentially, he's being smuggled out of the country. Quite early on we get a sense that they have to hide SIM cards, One, uh, I think um, the young boy has hidden his phone and the dad gets cross with him and then they go and bury the phone somewhere and then the mum cuts up a SIM card and then they eat a SIM card. Um, and so it's kind of comedy various. I was getting a bit of waiting for God. I was like, why, why are we waiting in this car? What are we waiting for? What, are we waiting for a trigger? Anyway, and then finally they set off and they set off on a journey, um, essentially to get their son out of the country. Uh, the young boy, it has to be said, from the get go, is it's probably one of the most astonishing young child performances I've seen since that remarkable film, was a Syrian or Lebanese film, uh, Capernaum, in which the, I think I've done a review on the channel of that, the young boy in that was absolutely astonishing. In fact, the, the baby in that film was an astonishing actor, let alone the toddler, but this boy in this film is quite phenomenal. I mean, he has a wisdom, 
and a world weariness that's way beyond his age. His age, you'd think it would be parked in his father. And so there's a nice comedy double act between the dad and the boy as they chitter chatter about all sorts of stuff. Um, they have a sick dog. There's a sick dog in the boot. So you've got a poorly, a poorly puppy. And it's nice to see a dog. You often don't really see pets in, in films from the Middle East and things like that. So the fact that they're a sort of really conventional family with a, with a dog in the boot that's, that's not very well is really nice too. So an unlikely traveling band. There's pistachio nutshells everywhere. I can relate to this all the time. It reminds me of, if you, for followers of our channel, uh, my, my wife, Nadia's father, my father-in-law, Teddy, is Jordanian and he tells great stories about traveling from essentially Jordan to Sidcup um, and just the carnage and the madness within the car and so this film does a really good job of not being claustrophobic and yet essentially telling most of its story from within the confines of a small battered car. Gradually we get a sense of the sadness of the older brother. He doesn't say much and he's incredibly moody and he's incredibly dour and he's incredibly down. And yet there's a, a particularly, uh, you know, sensitive and sweet scene, incredibly charming scene between him and his mother when they're sat at a sort of stop somewhere uh, and they're, talk they're probably eating pistachio nuts. Uh, and he talks to her about his love. She asks him, she says, oh, you love films. Or, What's your favourite film in the world? And like he says, he says, what a ridiculous question. How can you ask what the fact my favourite film in the world is? And it is an annoying question. People say, what's your favourite film? There's too, too many to choose from. But he says, he says, 2001 A Space Odyssey. She says, why? And he says, well, nothing really happens other than a man falling into a black hole for half an hour. And that process, and he says, it's kind of mindful, it's kind of meditative, it's, there's mindfulness in it. And she says, oh, but galaxies are dangerous places, they have wars and galaxies, and he laughs and what have you. And the reason that's an important, I think, and significant scene is that, in a sense, it functions as a metaphor throughout this. There's lots of references, actually, to superheroes, Batman, Batmobiles, all this kind of stuff. They reference out to Western cinema. But the idea of this boy, this this young man, the older the older brother, being taken out of his country around for whatever reason, persecution, whatever, uh, economic an economic migrant perhaps, um, to to aspire to do something else, but he has to leave his family behind. That's entering a black hole, isn't it? This is what these migrants are going through. It, there's, it's a huge metaphor, you know, the fact that it might be sci-fi and in space. This might be in the dusk, in the dust and the duskiness of the desert and the dry, arid landscape. Um, <laughs> you're heading into a black hole. And so there, there, there's quite a nice bit of poetry there. Um, lovely, it's a film about relationships. It, 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 you know, it, it's kind of unevenly paced. It's rhythmically uneven. You, you feel that, but in a weird way, I wondered whether that was just my cultural impatience uh, for the narrative norms of Western cinema, wanting to kind of go, let's have a little resolution here. Let's have a sort of new start of a chapter here. Let's have a little resolution here. And whereas actually it was uneven, but in a sense, if you let yourself go, that shouldn't bother you. You're, you're, you're genuinely sitting on a ride with a family heading across Iran. Um, there's one particularly brrilliantly funny scene. And I think, again, there, there are moments in this film that sometimes you think, God, if only more films could be made where a scene is essentially one shot that lasts eight minutes. And there's a great interaction where a cyclist, you think they've hit a cyclist, but a cyclist goes down by the car and there's a race going on on, on the road. And they, they go back and they look after the wonderful sort of quips from the father saying, leave him on the road, leave him on the road. If he's crying, it can't be too bad if he's crying. I mean, there are so many sort of Middle Eastern Arabic almost kind of statements in this. It could be any one of Nadia's relatives talking. If he's crying, leave him. It means it is not that bad. Um, but anyway, the boy insists that they pull this injured cyclist into the car and they essentially travel the injured cyclist part, part of the way down the road. And what's really funny in this is they, they end up talking with this cyclist about the importance of winning races, the importance of taking part, uh, the importance of being 
honourable. They talk about Lance Armstrong and then the father with his leg in a plastic car says, yeah, but Lance Armstrong wasn't honourable, was he? He was doping, he was taking drugs. Da, da, da. The cyclist's like, no, no, it's in his name, strong arm. He has a strong arm, he's Armstrong. They talk about honour. They talk about, you know, how one shouldn't cheat and how has one never cheated? You know, the cyclist says to the father, have you never told a lie? Have you never done something wrong to get what you want? And all this kind of stuff. Anyway, they let the cyclist out after a while. Cyclist pops his wheel back on and cycles like mad. And you, it transpires that actually this guy was cheating. He's just hitched a lift because you know this, because at the point that they pass all his other cyclists and he's in the car being tr trundled along, he pretends to have dropped pistachios and he's on the floor trying to find them. So again, a really sweet, funny, charming scene where you talk, where, they, where the film philosophizes about ideas of, you know, cheating and, and honor and all this kind of kind of stuff. Throughout all of this, the boy is an energetic ball of almost ADHD cheek and mischief. He's constantly getting into trouble and getting, getting you know, making noise. And But he's incredibly entertaining. I mean, the boy is astonishing. The young boy, this is the young boy. But there are moments of great sadness. And of course, the mother sort of, the mother's role starts to come to the fore as they're getting ever nearer to letting go of their son. And, and, and what's really nice about this film is that it maintains the disorientation of who are they going to meet? And this, this, in this time of human trafficking and all of the talk about, you know, people paying to be trafficked and who's a who's a genuine asylum seeker and who isn't an asylum seeker, who's been smuggled versus trafficking. You know, they meet up with this guy who appears out of the fog on this sort of sheep farm uh, with a mask on his face, a sort of knitted mask. He looks like, but he looks like straw face. Again, they talk about uh, the young boy says, isn't that Batman's, uh, you know, isn't that, isn't that Batman's nemesis or enemy, uh, straw man or straw face or whatever the name of the, the character is. But this guy just comes out of the wood and he goes, yeah, I'm me and I'm going to meet you on this crossroads over there. And they're like, well, OK, where and where are we going to hand over the money and all this kind of stuff. And so that dis disorientation, the unknowingness, the trust, the fear, the, the disquiet, you know, we think all we do as, 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 a, as a developed nation is think, oh, here, here, here we are receiving these migrants. Um, OK, is he justified? Is he not justified? But forget even the migrant. There's all of their relatives going through all the heartache and all the upset and all the distress over in their country of origin. And this film does a really good job of kind of articulating that, but not doing it in a sort of world weary, politicised way. It's witty. It's funny. It, the thing that I think is very clever about this film is it's the relatability of the family dynamics. You know, the droll, miserable dad, the mum who puts up with him who knows that he's basically skiving all the time. The way in which the dad tries to be the dad with the older son and says, you know, you must never cry in front of your mother. This is a terrible thing. You must cry in front of your father. And then they proceed to have a huge argument about an apple that the father is eating. Again, this is another pit stop en route. And the father's broken the apple into two and he gives his son, the older son, the, the smaller half of the apple. And the, the son goes, this isn't the bigger half. And they have an argument. And the father actually argues that the size of his half of the apple isn't the biggest when it is and it's that sort of lunacy that, that is at the heart of most families isn't it where people just insist black is white uh, and because they're in the family and that's what they do we just accept it uh, there's some wonderfully magical scenes there's a scene a camping scene where the young toddler boy is lying on his father and his father curiously has got one of those you know the sort of silver kind of foil kind of insulating kind of sheets that marathon runners wear he's kind of got one of those on and the boy's lying on him and they're talking about the stars and they're talking about Batman and all this kind of stuff. And as the camera pulls out, it, you know, it, it, it's it's a metaphor again for that 2001 Space Odyssey, you know, out in the world, floating into space, floating into the world, this world that we all live in. The landscape is phenomenal. I mean, we hear a lot about Iran. We have a sense of Iran. We've, we've heard terrible things about Iran. I know that before the, uh, you know, I know a lot of people I used to work with in the past who have had the privilege of filming and working in Iran. And they say it's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. It's just absolutely stunning. And so it was a really nice opportunity to see some quite phenomenal landscape, lunar-like landscape, sort of moonlight. I mean, this otherworldliness, this idea of us being a planet is really 
bashed home in this film, you know, that we're a planet and we're all scurrying across it to get to different places, or some people are certainly. Um, and so, of course, this film moves towards the inevitability of this older son moving away from his family. And so as a film, it's, it's, it's light, it's slight. It runs at just an hour and 20, 25 minutes. I think there's some great value sometimes in having a little bit of a nose, a, a culture or a, and a lifestyle that's utterly unlike our, ours. And I think sometimes this is where foreign cinema is such a brilliant, brilliant thing because it allows us to access walks of life or experiences or points of view in such an intimate way without us ever being able to even have the prospects of traveling to that country or, or, or whatever. And so to be sat within this car, quite literally, with this ill dog, I won't talk about what happens to the dog, but suffice it to say it's sad. Um, there are moments of magic realism even where, you know, the, the, a sort of song will come on the radio and the young boy will start to perform it to camera. I mean, those aspects of this film didn't work as convincingly for me. So there are elements, again, it goes back to that. There was a sort of rhythm thing for me that didn't quite work. And tonally, I found the end of the film was a bit confused and a bit confusing and it went off into a bit of, it got a bit sort of, I don't know, caricature surreal for the sake of it. But this is a charming film. It's a gentle film. It's an eye-opening film. And it's just a lovely, lovely portrait of an ordinary family and all the sort of extraordinarily uh, sort of intimate, humorous details that occur in relationships within families. Um, I'd say this is fully worth your time to watch. If I was to give this a score, I would give this, I would give this 85 out of 100. It's an absolute charming treat of a movie. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.